should have been there, the podcast for travellers. He's Mick Webb. I am. And you're Simon Calder. I certainly am. <laughs> and today we are going in search of a perfect bay and maybe some slightly imperfect bays as well. And as always, Mick, you've done ferociously good research on on bays and um, uh, and what they are. I, mean, I was particularly taken by the definition of a bay, which is nothing more than 24, which sounds quite random, nautical miles wide. Yes, I think I, there is another part to that, which is that uh, it needs to be an indentation yes. in the coast, which opens out to the sea. Uh, um, but According to the international legal definition, yeah, if it's more than 24 nautical miles wide, and I don't know how nautical miles differ from other miles. Uh, they're, 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 they're bigger, bigger they're mightier. They? So 24 mighty. nautical miles is getting on for 30 miles in old money. Right, OK. Or um, uh, how many? Uh, 50 kilometres. 50 kilometres. OK, but that's quite convenient. And yeah. um, if they are bigger than that, um, well, certainly theoretically... Um, according to the letter of this international law, they should become something else, like a sound. A sound or a gulf, even. A gulf, gulf maybe. Gulf or, of yes, or, can they even become a sea, do you think? Maybe uh, not. Maybe a sea is a... Uh, uh, oh. you know, right, but I'm going to see your 24 nautical miles, and I'm going to raise you the Bay of Bengal, uh, not to mention Hudson Bay. Oh, which are vast, aren't they? Yes. I, 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 I mean, well over um, 24... <laughs> Nautical miles. I, I, I think the definition may have slightly um, post-date uh, some of the naming uh, practices of the great explorers. Well, anyway, I was wondering why it is that bays are so attractive. And there is no doubt that they are, aren't they? Uh, they are. Now, let's take it from, obviously, the aesthetic point of view. Yes, wherever you are on a bay, you can see this wonderful curve of of land and you, of course, have, have the sea that is being held very gently by this this concavity. But much more practically, if you're a mariner, then you want to be in a bay because you're not in the open water. Um, so that they have, uh, uh, through time, provided a very, very useful service. And, of course, if you're going for a swim or a picnic, they tend to be much more sheltered than yes. the, uh, the, um, no, no, the perfect wild length of shoreline. The most perfect definition I would say is um, San Sebastián in uh, northern Spain, which is called La Concha, the shell, because it is almost a complete circle of, of bay with just a smallest outlet into the sea, which itself is punctuated by a beautiful island. I have to say I agree with you. It, it is not just us who think that is possibly the most beautiful town beach in the world but I think many other people as well and I might say that what is not known um, to history is that I actually spent the first night uh, that I've ever slept out in a foreign country um, ah. in a very old sleeping bag on that very stretch of sand and on La Concha. Well it was I think for a lot of people in the area that preceded cheap flying it was for many people san sebastian the first proper place they got to in spain so you'd have to 
hitchhike generally all the way down through southwestern France to Ondai and then go across to the yeah. horrible border town, town of Rouen, Rouen, yeah. where you'd hop on a um, lovely little narrow gauge railway which would take you to San Sebastian and then you would realise that you were in one of the most glorious places in where the world. Tap- at the time, tapas and red wine cost very little and um, these days cost quite a lot more and what's more you can now go and eat at some of the best restaurants in the world run by Basque chefs but anyway that's getting away from the bay isn't it Um, although uh, it is actually part of the Bay of Biscay, which is another one of our absolutely vast bays in fact it's so big I can't even begin to think where it's arms arms, if you can imagine the, so, so France is called, of course, the hexagon, uh, the hexagon, uh, because it's uh, supposed to have six sides. But actually, the Bretons mess this up completely, and they've got this great long arc uh, going all the way out to Brest on the um, northwestern extreme of France. But then that that curls pretty much round all the way to the Spanish border, and then starts turning back to to the west and continues. And you can probably say that it carries on all the way almost to Finisterra, uh, the end of the world, Finisterra. The end, uh, and um, so it is a, a I vast see what you bay. mean, yes. yes, it is. A, yeah, that is vast. So that's well over the 24 nautical and, and miles. Quite, quite bumpy when the, uh, when the Bay of Biscay gets rough. I think that's because something to do with the, the, the continental shelf combined with the Atlantic piling in. It doesn't quite meet our definition of a... A sheltered, calm no, environment, it does doesn't. It? But there, that goes to prove that there are exceptions to uh, every rule, or it's yes. the exception that proves the rule. Uh, now, when I was doing my research, I discovered that, um, rather weirdly, there is actually a club of the most beautiful <laughs> bays of the world, which you can find at uh, world-bays.com, should you wish to look it up. And um, this um, organisation was invented by a, a group of French chaps uh, in 1996 uh, mm. who are from Brittany where there are some extremely lovely bays and it, it says here on their home page this supposedly this is the English uh, version obviously um, this supposedly obvious concept of bringing together the most beautiful bays in the world within a club on exchange action and reflection <laughs> was born with three men from Vannes in Brittany France ah. Monsieur Michel Met, Monsieur Hervé Laigo and Monsieur Bruno Baudard, all members of the Van District Tourist Office in 1996. This is the bit I thought was funny. Uh, at the origin, it's after meeting with Jean Monca, an unusual character whose custom it was to disguise himself as Asterix to amuse his contemporaries, that the idea came. It sounds like Borat, doesn't it? Actually, he, he was both an unconditional admirer of the Golfe du Morbihan, Mm. Uh, which is a very lovely bay in um, Brittany, although it's bigger than a bay, it's a gulf. And he was also a great traveller. And on his many journeys, he never ceased to compare the site he visited and his home, Golf du Morbihan. And one day, facing the Bay of Rio, he exclaimed, It's beautiful, but it's not up to the Golf <laughs> du Morbihan, which made the people he was speaking to suspicious. <laughs> However, a sailor came to his aid and fully agreed with him, saying that there was another site in the world even more beautiful than this one, referring to Halong Bay in Vietnam. Ah. So, 
Jean Monca immediately went to Vietnam. I don't know if he still had his Asterix costume mm. on to check what this sailor had said and went into raptures before the beauty of the site. And as a result, uh, they then set up this um, this, <laughs> this club, uh, yes. uh, which um, has quite a number of uh, adherents, none of which are from the UK. I was um, slightly um, which is, sorry which to is see. Un- but, unfortunate uh, because, we, we, of course, we have far more coastline than the French. <laughs> um, we, we have an absurd amount of coastline. I, I, the French don't have very much of it at all. The English have lots. The Welsh per capita have loads, and the Scots just have uh, almost a kind of world-beating amount of um, coastline. coastline. And, but what about bays? Have you have you found uh, any bays? Let's yeah, start uh, with the with the UK. Then, well, we? I, I like bays, which are actually sad, sadish places. Uh-huh. So I like. Uh, Weems Bay, spelt Wemis, which is just off the Clyde, so it's a kind of another bay within a bay or a bay yeah. within an estuary. Uh, Weems Bay is notable for being the port for the island of Butte, and it's also notable for having probably the most beautiful railway station that in Britain, which is not St Pancras. So after St Pancras, it is the most beautiful, very ornate Victorian railway station, which you alight on the train from Glasgow and then you uh, you board your ferry to the great island of Butte. And the other one, pretty much diametrically across the country, is Hearn Bay. Ah. Now, Hearn Bay, another bay off an estuary, is... It, it's kind of stuck because... It's Kent, isn't it? It's Kent, oh, yeah, most definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so south side of the Thames estuary, looking across... Slightly mournfully at um, Essex, uh, but it's not Whitstable, which is the one just upstream. Which isn't a bay, is it? No, so, Whitstable's no. not a bay. No, although no. probably bay watchers will will say, actually, I think you'll find there <laughs> there is an indentation which you, you should count. Um, but neither is it is it kind of Thanet and um, uh, therefore Margate, Ramsgate, Broadstairs, Broadstairs. By the way, um, being a very very um, charming bay in its own right. Ah, yes. Broadstairs has a number of bays, doesn't it? And I believe there's one called Botany Bay, um, which is extremely lovely with cliffs. Uh, I mean, really nice cliffs and, and a, a proper crescent of sand. Ah, and that might be. That's probably the one I'm thinking of, which think, I'm calling Broadstairs. Yeah, I think so. There are a number of bays there. And okay. I, it, it has actually... Um, been the setting for any number of um, music videos and adverts and things like that and we're saying that uh, Botany Bay of course was the name given by Captain Cook to what's now uh, the area immediately south of Sydney where if you're flying into Sydney there's a good chance you'll be flying in or indeed over Botany Bay so and the the runway of course juts into Botany Bay. Mm. You haven't told me your your best. Um, bays, well, my first. My okay, my best British bay is one of the many on the Pembrokeshire coast, and uh, it is called Barrafundel. B a r a f u n d l e. It's kind of halfway along the southern part of the Pembrokeshire coast, so well beyond Swansea, but before you sort of turn north. Um, yes. And uh, the reason I like it so much is that you can't get there very easily, which means that it tends not to be very crowded. You have to walk, I, I don't know, I think it might be about a mile along the uh, Pembrokeshire coastal path from a place called Stackpole, 
You can leave a car at Stackpole Car Park, and then you walk uh, across the top of the cliffs, and then uh, suddenly there is this absolutely perfectly oh. shaped bay beneath you. And I went there on a day when the weather was none too clement, a bit like it is now, rather blustery, rainy, uh, so you weren't tempted to um, leap into the um, beckoning water. But something was. Gannets. I saw, I watched a couple of gannets diving um, and fishing for about half an hour. It's absolutely extraordinary. They just go straight down from a really quite great height and they come down um, vertically. Barrafundal Bay, Pembrokeshire. Uh, I would um, recommend which, it highly. Uh, how's it? Maybe has something in etymological terms with them um, at the Bay of Fundy. Ah. In, in Canada, about which in, more in a moment. Shall we get on to bays abroad then? Yes, well, can, can we start with the Bay of Fundy? Because it is like nowhere else. Um, and this is in Canada. And if you can uh, imagine Atlantic Canada, which is quite a complicated jigsaw of, of, of provinces and islands. And it's all quite messy. But you have, as it were, the Canadian mainland. And then you've got Nova Scotia looking quite like an island. Well, between them, you've got the Bay of Fundy. And what happens is that the tide rushes in. It's oceanic because you're on the Atlantic. And because it has got nowhere else to go, it just barrels in. And you uh, can be sitting there with, with just watching the kind of the mud. And then half an hour later, you've got this roaring uh, sound and the water rushes in to, to fill it. And it's got the highest tides in the world. I'm going to say 27 feet typically. and uh... I think it's more. I, I did actually look at this because it came up in the um, most beautiful bays in the world website when I was looking at it. And it said there's a 50 foot tide change there. Oh, OK. Which, well, is, yeah. which is a huge amount, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's what... Would that be twice as high as this house we're in at the moment? Oh, Quite bold, but certainly as high as this house. Uh, 50, yes. Yeah. And, well, the other thing you can do is because you've got these huge sites coming in, they do funny things with rivers. And so you've got the wonderful tidal bore. And that's not somebody uh-huh. who um, sits and tells you <laughs> the uh, But it, it is this wall of water. And the great trick to do in Nova Scotia, which I, which I just love, is... Signing up for a trip where you are put into a um, a wetsuit and basically just thrown into um, uh, what's soon to become the deep end, and you just swept along by this huge inrush of water. Ah, um, how exciting! It's just you're, you're just bobbing about, having the time of your life. I'm very excited by Canadian bays. What what are you? What bays are you excited by? I suppose I am very excited by bays where you can snorkel because. Uh, I like swimming, but I get bored with swimming um, and tired, uh, but mainly bored. Um, However, if there's a chance of snorkelling, I don't dive, but if there's a chance of snorkelling and seeing things, beautiful things, uh, then I absolutely love it and can spend a ludicrous amount of time uh, in the water. Um, And uh, the places I think where I've had the most fun have been... Mexico Mm -hmm. uh, and on very occasional trips to the West Indies. Now, the the Mexican um, Bay, if you go down the coast of um, the Yucatan, the um, Atlantic Mm -hmm. coast, 
or the Caribbean coast. Yes. Then as you get away from Cancun, just north of Tulum, there are a sequence of perfect half-moon bays, ah. one of which is called Half-Moon Bay, and the other one is called Tanka Bay. And then the one that I stayed in on was called Suleiman Bay. Now, these days, uh, this was a while ago, these days it has become a, almost a gated community, um, <laughs> which is both good and bad, actually, because it means that this bay of a couple of miles, perfect crescent-shaped, um, is ringed by extremely expensive but rather nice houses which mm -hmm. are owned mainly by Americans and Canadians and, and some are rented out. My son, when we stayed in one of these, thought mm -hmm. of it as a footballer's house. Ah, I mean, in yes, the, that I can for see, him yeah. was the absolute pinnacle of luxury. And uh, we stayed in this one called Casa Yamal Khan. And the beautiful thing about it was that uh, off-season it wasn't quite as expensive as it might have been. But more to the point was the arms of the bay, as it were, were sealed off by a coral reef. Oh. Well, it is. A, I think it's the second longest coral reef in the world. So I think it's, uh, it's not as long as the Great Barrier, but it is still a massively long reef. Um, and I think, unfortunately, it's been battered by recent hurricanes so I don't know if it's quite as um, unbroken as it was at the time but it created a beautiful place to kayak and swim and the like but then all the way out to the reef there were coral heads and extraordinary things to see I mean the highlight and I was revisiting this moment with one of my sons only last night um, I said do you remember that when we went to that place in Mexico and he said oh yes the footballer's house and then <laughs> he, I said do you remember anything about it he said I remember incredibly vividly we were in a seagoing kayak and we saw this eagle ray massive sort of it was kind of coasting along the top right. of the water and we rowed as hard as we could and we got closer and closer and closer to it and it still carried on its sort of calm way and then when it realized that we were behind it it suddenly went into turbo mode and just exploded across the sea I, I it was absolutely astonishing i don't know how fast it got to 40 miles an hour or something from a standing start and we were um, we were all amazed and delighted uh, Suleiman Bay, my favourite bay in Mexico. Uh, well, I suppose in the Caribbean, actually. Returning briefly to the UK, of course, The Bay was the name of an ITV uh, crime series based in Morecambe Bay, which is oh. notable because it's the, well, it's the opposite of the Bay of Fundy, really. Um, the tide goes out and you can walk across it in the care of a very expert guide. You can walk across, um, effectively, from Lancashire across to what was, um, well, what is now Cumbria, and a, a great day out. Another one, um, the dock of oh, the right. bay, yes. is, um, it, it celebrates San Francisco. Oh, is that and right? Oh, I, I would say, if you, if you were going to, in the way that people talk about the Gulf, meaning the Gulf, uh, which is known variously as the Persian Gulf and the Arabian Gulf, um, we will mention them both to be on the safe side. Um, I, I think the one part of the world where you would say the bay is a thing uh, wouldn't be sadly more commit would be San Francisco Bay, 
which I think geographically probably isn't a bay because it's got a very, very narrow entrance, but we can see about that. And the only other one I was going to mention, which is not maybe popular culture, but is very, very widely known through the media, Guantanamo Bay. Of course. In Cuba, which is not not a bay you would ever go to. It's basically two sides of of an inlet um, given by the Cubans when they were feeling... um, generous uh, start of the 20th century to the americans um who still hang on to it um uh, even though cuba has changed somewhat in the past um, hundred and something years and of course cuba also has the bay of pigs of course it does uh, yes. which i don't think i ever went to but it is oh well i have been there many times ah. um, and, and is it called, it is the Bahia de Cochinos, I well, presume, is it, or, or is it not called? No, I think, it, I think it might actually be called Praia Cochinos. Like, oh, beach, right. So that's beach, beach, of pigs, beach of pigs rather which than... Which quite the same, but, but no, it is, it is a bay, and this of course was where, after the um, Cuban Revolution, the Americans, the CIA, recruited all the cheesed off Cuban exiles that they could, and some mercenaries and rounded them all up and... and um, attacked Cuba at the Bay of Pigs and were duly repelled with, um, I think, uh, Fidel Castro himself commanding one of the tanks that saw them off. It was a a military disaster, which, of course, is now uh, milked to the nth degree by the Cuban authorities. I do have a a, a popular cultural reference, but first of all... No, but first of all, I'd like to pick up on the idea that a narrow entrance might or might not make a bay, because... There is possibly Europe's most spectacular and splendid bay is in Montenegro. Montenegro, which uh, doesn't mm. have a huge amount to uh, to boast about, really. Yeah. Uh, the Bay of Kotor has been described by some people, geographers, as Europe's southernmost fjord. Um, but it is, I think, technically a bay because... It's a bay within a bay within a bay within a bay. So you go in through a narrow entrance, as is the case with San Francisco Bay. Um, but then the bay, first bay opens out and it has on one side of it a most extravagant modern development called Porto, Montin- Porto Montenegro, I think, yeah, which is a a village for extremely wealthy people set around a yachting marina designed specifically for super yachts. So I think <laughs> if you've got a normal-sized yacht, you probably can't even go in there, but it is spectacular to go in there and see the vast floating palaces of the extremely wealthy and then however you hurry on then through a very narrow inlet uh, sorry a narrow canal into the innermost bay which is a sort of three lobed bay so the whole thing looks a bit like a butterfly and inside in the inner bay there's the town of Kotor and but there are lots of beautiful villages in pale grey stone which were built by the Venetians and you can um, drive or walk around the edge of the bay you can even get a local sailor in exchange for a few euros to take you out to one of two very beautiful islands and don't forget all of this is against a backdrop of quite high and often snow-covered mountains so you've got 
the beautiful bay, the mountains, the beautiful villages and towns. And then there are these two picture postcard islands, one of which isn't an island, ah. um, and which is quite extraordinary. It's called Our Lady of the Rocks. It goes back about five centuries. And uh, it was it was actually built by the sailors, by local sailors, uh, from rocks which they threw into the sea. <laughs> uh, and this was to um, celebrate uh, a, a miracle, which was that apparently in 1452, two brothers were heading home to Perast, which is the prettiest of the villages I was talking about, from a dangerous voyage. And one of them had badly injured his leg. And as they passed a, uh, a monastery built on another, a natural island in front of Paras, they saw something caught on a rocky outcrop. And when, mm-hmm. they, uh, when they went to see what it was, they found an icon of the Virgin Mary and the child. So the brothers went home taking the icon with them. And the next day, miraculously, <laughs> the injured leg had uh, healed. And um, so they took it as an omen and vowed to build a church dedicated to Virgin Mary on the rock where they found the icon. And of course there wasn't enough space so they then over the um over many years i think it took about 50 years they um chucked rocks in until there was a, a decent enough surface to build this very beautiful little church on which you can visit and um and it's full of of really moving and sometimes very artistic votive offerings made by sailors to the virgin either thanking uh, her for um sparing them um or um hoping for a bit of luck on their next very dangerous voyage out through the uh, through the bays very many bays and out into the wild seas well i will see your uh, very beautiful church in a very beautiful bay and i will take you to frobisher bay which is both a bay and a town which used to be called frobisher bay and it's on an island which is distinctive because this is the largest island which is part of another country. Can you guess which one it is yet? Hang on, part. Uh, Canada. Well, that's that's the larger country. What's the island? Baffin Island. Baffin, exactly. Yes, this huge island guarding really the entrance to Hudson Bay, which is this. If you look at the map of Canada, it's as though somebody's taken a huge bite out of the um, uh, top right-hand part, and that's that's Hudson Bay, which is, as we now know, far far more than a bay. Um, but it, on Baffin Island, which is this strange, it looks actually on the map a bit like roadkill <laughs> shaped, um, but it has this uh, this inlet called Frobisher Bay, at the head of which is the town of Frobisher Bay, as was now called Ikaluit. And one of the, no, I think probably the saddest place I've ever been. Um, you would imagine that it would be full of a great uh, history of the Inuit people. There is a little bit of heritage there. You'd think that um, there would be relics of, of um, uh, the early European explorers, but no, nothing really. There's a beautiful church, but even the beautiful church got burned down a few years ago. It's now been marvellously resurrected. But, but Frobisher Bay is a sad place. Uh, I like my bays to be enjoyable and fun, but I'm afraid the one I would like to mention doesn't even exist. Um, But um, it sort of seems to um, cap off the fact that um, although bays are 
generally wonderful things and actually there are all kinds of very sad things about them um, and, and not least did we mention Morecambe Bay the cockle pickers oh of course yes well they, we mentioned Morecambe Bay we did not mention the fact that so many people very sadly died because they were recruited to, to pick cockles uh, they got the time, tides wrong and everything well uh, it was it was a, a deep deep tragedy Bay I want to mention then to finish with um, is Black Diamond Bay, which um, aficionados of um, middle period Bob Dylan will recognise as being a, a track from a f- particularly fine album called Desire from the mid-70s. Um, there's a song on it which I absolutely love called Black Diamond Bay, uh, and it's basically the tale of a volcanic uh, Caribbean island, which doesn't actually exist, but the volcano erupts, basically, and the whole thing <laughs> goes down the pan, and it's about the story of all of the bizarre characters who inhabit a uh, a beachside hotel on Black Diamond oh. Bay uh, and uh, um, what happens during their last hours. Um, now, I would commend it to everybody, particularly because we were talking only recently in a podcast about travel writing and the importance of transporting people to the place as soon as you possibly can in order to get them engaged in in the subject and I reckon that the first few lines of this Bob Dylan song um, actually do that incredibly well Uh, so let me see if I can recall them Uh, I won't sing them I will spare everybody that Um, well except that uh, that you're now onto the subject of uh, is there any Bob Dylan song which is not improved by having someone other than Bob Dylan singing it (laughs) well I'm not going to go there and I'm not going to go to Black Diamond Bay but I am going to let Bob's words actually I think he 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 collaborated with some other writer on this but uh, it's okay Up on the white veranda, she wears a necktie and a Panama hat. Her passport shows a face from another time and place. She looks nothing like that. Anyway, and that then oh, takes very, us into it, um, it, 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 it takes us in, into into the world of imaginary base, which is quite good given our next podcast in the long-lasting series. You should have been there. Is well, I'm going to say faking it in which we will take you to great wonders of the world, such as the Parthenon in Nashville, Tennessee, and maybe (laughs) even a short journey to Siberia, Costa Rica, which uh, is, uh, well, an interesting variant on the the original idea of of Siberia. So... um, Faking it. Not something we've ever done, of course, but um, I will bring along as well an entirely fake travel guide to a fake country which took London by storm in the uh, 18th century. Well, I am waiting with with breath, which is, um, I have to say, baited. But meanwhile, from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.